We have real research projects for those students who want to get involved in something very serious. You know, my AI research, um, some of the work we do in web systems and information systems, lots of opportunities there, a lot of medical, um, et cetera. But for those who really want to do something, you know, let me say fun, if they can talk a faculty member into being an advisor, we can usually find a way to make that happen. Welcome back to Crashing the Faculty Lounge. I'm your host, John Wexler, and today we conclude our conversation with Dr. Jim Hendler. Jim is the director of the Future of Computing Institute and world professor of computer, web, and cognitive sciences here at Rensselaer. He's also the director of the RPI-IBM Artificial Intelligence Collaboration. Last time we spoke about chat GPT, quantum computing, and more. In this episode, we take a deeper dive at undergraduate research that's being done here at RPI, and Jim discusses why he chose to continue his career at Rensselaer. We're wrapping up with Jim Hengler next on Crashing the Faculty Lounge. People out there may not know, you know, Rensselaer is a Research One institution. There are only 37 of those private universities in the country, and we're majority at undergrad. And, uh, you know, one thing that Jim has talked about and wanted to get more info on is the level of research that undergrads can do here. Give me some examples, Jim, of, of research opportunities that you feel are really unique that undergrads have been able to do, they're doing now, or just recently been able to do, and, and, and maybe with the quantum, they'll be able to do even at a greater level. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, I, it's almost hard to say what aren't they doing. So we have a lot of robotics research at RPI. Right. I don't know of any of those robotics projects where don't have undergraduates involved with them. Um, in our biotech center, um, one of our big breakthroughs was a discovery of how to make a particular chemical, uh, a medical chemical, uh, to synthesize it rather than to have to kill animals to do it. Sure. Um, that led to a major project in how do we actually make that practical, et cetera. That lab had about 50 people in it, a few professors a few grad students and a lot of undergrads. So again, they're involved um, in our major research efforts. Um, I've had students come to me and say, you know, I'd really like to try doing this thing uh, in language. So we had, uh, during COVID, mm -hmm. we had collected about a billion tweets on COVID. Right. And a student came to me and said, you know, I have this cool idea based on something I've been reading that says, you know, People who would refer to somebody as Dr. Fauci will probably think of him better than people who are just calling him Fauci. Can I test that? We said, yeah, here's the billion tweets. Here's how you access them. And they wrote a paper on it. Wow. And you've talked about um, some of the uh, research that undergrads have done in the summer. Our students are amazing. I think they're probably the best at multitasking that I've ever seen. <laughs> But in the summer, if they're not taking coursework, then they can just totally immerse themselves in the research. What are some examples of research that some of your students have done or other students that aren't necessarily um, in your field have done over the summer? Right. Well, you know, one, one of the things that I love about undergraduate research is for graduate research, we're typically very focused on publications and things like that. For undergraduates, yeah, that's great when we can get them in, and we have a lot of them. I mean, don't get me wrong, many, many papers that are co-authored with an undergraduate. But they can also do projects that are, like, really cool. Yeah. So, for example, um, 
one group last year got a bunch of data from uh, one of the national labs and looked at how rising water levels from climate change would impact different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. um, they just thought this would be a fun project to try. They put together the group. We got them the data. They used uh, data analytics and things like that. They had a great demo, and they've also um, you know, published some papers. Another group that comes out of our games, uh, game simulation and science program, uh, actually we have a specialized uh, visualization device. I'm not even going to try to describe it, but it's patented. We have like mm -hmm. the only one. We're trying to find a way to get lots of them out For there sure. into the world. But a bunch of students said, hey, you know, we could write a cool game on this thing. So we just had the other day the first game night in oh, our cool. visualization center using this special And it's totally holistic thing. by the students. Totally. You know, one one faculty member keeping an eye on it. He's sure. the guy who designed the thing yeah. originally as a uh, – he was an engineer working at MPAC who was working with one of our undergraduates. They built this thing. Uh, patented it together. We now are using it in both high-end research and for things like games, hockey, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it's the kind of thing where, so we have real research projects for those students who want to get involved in something very serious. You know, my AI research, um, some of the work we do in web systems and information systems, lots of opportunities there, a lot of medical uh, etc. But for those who really want to do something, you know, let me say fun, if they can talk a faculty member into being an advisor, we can usually find a way to make that happen. That's great. You've been so generous with your time, Jim. I have two final questions. Um, the first one is, you know, you, you said before, we'll, we'll give them a little pub. You're at the University of Maryland, a, a humongous institution, uh, size and scope-wise. Why did you decide to leave the University of Maryland, where you're very successful, and come to RPI? Well, two reasons. One is RPI made me an offer I couldn't refuse. <laughs> but, but more seriously, you know, yeah. you talked before about low barriers. Right. One of the things we created at RPI was some labs that live outside the traditional department structure. And I was invited in to create one of those. Right. So it's something called the Tetherless World right. Constellation. I won't even try to describe how it got that name, but mm -hmm. it's really um, aimed at bringing together people from different areas, different fields, teaching them about data, data processing, but not focused on a particular, you know, traditional discipline. So right. we've published in many different fields, things like that, and that lets us work with faculty and students across the campus. So one was this ability to create something that lived outside of the traditional departments. But more importantly to me was the fact that that meant I could work with people from many different departments. I actually have appointments at the moment in four or five different departments. But we also have uh, students who are dual majors who now want to do something like, say, cognitive science and computer science. Many schools would force them to choose. We allow them to dual. And then, you know, we're trying to create new um, master's programs that will let them put those together. So just the opportunity to create new and higher level interdisciplinary things. And then the other one was undergraduate research, as I said before. Mm -hmm. So 
with my grad students, I spend a lot of time, we get a lot of publications and well-known journals and conferences, and that's very important for helping them get jobs. With my undergraduates, we can do something fun. The hockey project yes. is fun. It's right. a lot more fun than proving that a particular optimization technique will improve the learning of some algorithm by 0.02%. Uh, things like that. So, so we mix that. Sometimes the students learn that kind of technical stuff and say, hey, you know, that fun project we're doing over in the cybersecurity club or now the quantum club or that hockey project, I'll be able to take these things I've been learning in my classes and use it there. And so I think that to me was, was really neat, was just being able to create these opportunities. I'm now sort of at a high enough level that sure. what I do is I have about five or six research staff who all work with undergraduates. Wow. And so that gives it a very large undergraduate footprint to really let us do things that would just be very hard. I don't need to go write a big grant and get a lot of funding. Sure. We can just get something going and see if it works. And the final question, which kind of ties into this, is you've been here since 2006, right? Um, what do you enjoy most about coming to work at RPI? Sounds like you enjoy a lot of things. Like <laughs> yeah. you're, well, you, you know, know, and you know. for the record, Jim is always this excited about anything we talk <laughs> about. So this is not, you didn't just turn it on for the podcast. Well, I, and, and I think that's the answer is I can't turn a corner on this campus without finding something interesting. Um, a year ago, I knew virtually nothing about quantum computing. I got called in to, you know, a fairly high-level meeting saying, you know, we're thinking about doing this. Is it the right thing to do? And a bunch of us went off and started reading and thinking and meeting and discussing. And I, I won't say I'm now a quantum expert, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty familiar now with the main concepts and why it's exciting. Uh, you know, I can bring my AI expertise to somebody who's trying to solve a problem in another area. So some of the work we do in clean water, some of the work we do in biomedical work, some of the stuff we do in architecture. We have a, a yeah. project going now looking at, you know, sort of um, if you're going to put architectures into urban situations that are going to be um, low energy use, very efficient, sustainable, et cetera. You know, uh, I never would have known that that was an AI project until I met Dennis Sheldon, who's one of our faculty members here, who's right. running one of our centers down in New York, who said, no, 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 we need this kind of AI to be able to figure out some of these sorts of things. So suddenly I can get involved in a project I never would have expected. And, um, you know, you mentioned before, I'm now the director of something called the Future of Computing Institute. So right. what we're really trying to do is get ahead of the curve, look at what's happening in computing, what are all the different features of what we're seeing happening and put together new programs all the way from undergraduate through PhD that will let people, you know, I, I mentioned the future is going to be a bunch of sensors and an AI system and a traditional system and a supercomputer and a, a telephone <laughs> and yeah. a quantum machine and, uh, you know, here we got them all. Right. Well, Jim, thank you so much for letting me crash the faculty lounge. And thank you for everything um, that you've been able to inform our audience about. Obviously, it's a very exciting time to be at Rensselaer. It, it absolutely is. And I think the, 
you know, we've talked a lot about the quantum, uh, you know, being something very special here, which it is. But it's not the first thing we've had that's very special here. We, we have a history of uh, all sorts of things. When IBM had the computer Watson that uh, beat the Jeopardy champions, we were the only university ever to get a working version of it. Wow. Um, you know, same thing in other sciences. I just know more about the computing. We have fascinating work going on in business prediction and financial technology. And, uh, you know, it's just an exciting place and a place where big breakthroughs can happen and the undergraduates can be involved. Nothing better to close on than that. Thank you so much, Jim. My pleasure. As you can hear, there are a lot of great things taking place at Rensselaer. Rensselaer is located in Troy, New York, and our admissions office is open six days a week for visits. We'd love to have you come and visit and experience all this for yourself. To do so, you can go to go.rpi.edu backslash visit. To register to come to campus for a visit, go.rpi.edu backslash visit. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you, Jim Handler, for sharing your knowledge on so many important topics and giving us a deeper understanding of where we are headed regarding AI, ChatGPT, and other advanced technologies. Until next time, I'm John Wexler, and this is Crashing the Faculty Lounge.